Hello, how are you guys doing today? It's about 8.26, so if you guys wouldn't mind, go ahead and tag uh, and share the video. We'll get started uh, at 8.30. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. I've had a great day uh, today. The weather was nice. Got to go outside and play and uh, Aiden's teachers did a parade today and that was very enjoyable. Uh, what's up Tanya? What's up Sayed? How are you guys this evening? Hey Davina. Hey Jamie. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. going to enjoy the word uh, as people come on like I said make sure you tag and share the video if you don't mind go ahead and do that yes um, I, I will pull up that way I can see comments so Vess how are you man So as you're coming on, thank you for joining Refresh Bible Study. What's up, Miss H? Thank you for joining Refresh Bible Study. Uh, if you don't have a church home, make sure that you uh, go and like Fellowship of Champions page. We're more than happy for you to make Fellowship of Champions your home and become a partner, uh, whether that's physically by attending at 2737 North OR Road, once we start attending again, or whether you would like to become an e-partner with us, uh, just visit our page. It's focchurch.com. Visit the website, but we you can become an e-partner with us because I know many uh, many people may not uh, visit us uh, physically, but the teachings that come forth, uh, Pastor Sean and uh, Pastor uh, Edwin and, every, and, and myself, uh, they may agree with you. And if they agree with you, then I encourage you to become an e-partner with us uh, and partner with us as we endeavor to teach the word of God, teach people how to walk in love, live by faith and experience God's prosperity in every, every area of their life. Um, and we just want to teach people how to win in life because that's what God is. That's why Jesus came so that we may have victory. Uh, and so and go like the page if you haven't, uh, on Facebook, make sure you do that, and then make sure that you join us Sundays at 10 a.m. Uh, for the word. Then again on Tuesday, we have corporate prayer at 8 a.m. I mean 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, and then on Tuesday, I mean Wednesday nights, as like tonight at 8:30, we have refreshed Bible study. All right, what's up, Tasha? How are you? What's up, Raquel? All right, so I got it right at eight thirty. So uh, we'll we'll get we'll get started. We will get started. All right. So Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are awesome, that you're majestic, and that you're a wonderful Father. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and all of your tender mercies, Father. We thank you that 
uh, your word will come forth tonight, God, and fall on good ground, God. Ears will hear and seeds will be planted in hearts that will bring forth fruit that will manifest and bring great uh will be great pleasure to the kingdom. I thank you that we will grow tonight, God, and that we'll become more like you in everything that we do. All of you and none of me, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get started tonight. What's up, Ricardo uh, and Natasha? So and I, I got to do better, but I like when I see people, I like saying hi, and I know it's a little delayed, but we're going to get started. We're going to pick up what we left off last week. Last week, we talked about the three three of the steps to establishing a God kind of faith. Uh, step number one was to know the integrity of God's word. And basically what we said there, we have to understand that God's word is true and that God's word has been established uh, and God's word will not fail. And that was, that was a foundation for under, uh, being able to have a God kind of faith is that you got to know because faith starts where the will of God is known. And so I can begin to exercise faith once I have a word from God. But if I don't feel like that word has integrity, or if I don't feel like that word can stand, then I, I can't believe in that. So if I feel like God's word is like sand, and when a, a water comes through, or wind comes through, or anything like that, if I build something on it, and it's sand, then I may not be able to establish the type of belief I need, because I'm like, this is just going to wash away anyway. Uh, but if I believe that God's word has integrity, and if you know anything about construction, they talk about the integrity of concrete when they're building uh, skyscrapers and things like that. They got to build things with great integrity so that the foundation of that will support whatever grows on, I mean, is built on top of it. And so we established that God's word has integrity, that you can trust the word of God, that if he tells you that it will happen, he has already provided the resources that you need to accomplish whatever he told you that you uh, could do. And so that was step number one, know the integrity of God's word. Number two was that we got to know the reality of our redemption in Christ. We must understand that the reality of our redemption in Christ, that God has made us able. It wasn't our ideal to become able. It wasn't our ideal to uh to become great it wasn't ideal to have a a pathway that god has established for us but everything that we have the abundant life the life of nothing missing nothing broken shalom peace all those were god idea god's ideas and in colossians 1 12 through 14 it says that he has made us able and he has delivered us delivered us from the power or the authority of of the darkness and so satan has no control over you I know sometimes it doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes uh, you may find yourself uh, doing things that don't please God. And you're like, man, the devil is busy. It ain't always the devil that's busy. It's just that you lack self-control. You knew that when she called or he called at 1 a.m., it wasn't to say, hey, how you doing? You knew what kind of call that was, right? Uh, you knew that when you went in dealers and the Lord told you not to spend that money, but you went in dealers for their semi-annual sale, you already knew. It wasn't that the devil was busy. It was that you put yourself in a position to do something that the Lord had asked you not to because you failed to put up barriers. And so we give the enemy way more power than he 
uh, really has because we have authority over him anyway. And so you got to begin to uh, position yourself to be obedient to God. And so the verse 13 said, he has delivered us from the power of darkness, uh, everything that Satan has. And then verse 14 says, we have been redeemed. That means we have been cleared by payment recovered and delivered from consequences. So when Jesus died, we were redeemed. That means that everything that we owed, everything that we owed due to sin, the sins that I committed as a kid, the sins that I committed last week, the sins that I will commit in the future, then they're already been paid for. So the enemy has no control over you except what we have, what we give him. He has no control over our, over our mind except what we give him. What happens is a lot of us are believing, as Pastor Edwin said on Sunday, if you, uh, and I'm going to put a couple plugs in there. If you haven't listened to the message on Sunday, please go listen to it. You can go to focchurch.com and listen to it. Uh, you can subscribe to any of our podcasts via Spotify, uh, iTunes, or the Play Store. Go listen to that word from Sunday. But we have a lot of unbelieving believers, and part of that unbelieving has to do with our rebellion, because rebellion was a part of sin. And when the, it's a natural part of us that wants to be independent. It's a natural part of us that wants to be self-sufficient. That natural part is part of our flesh. And though we have been born again, though we have been redeemed, just because I've been redeemed doesn't mean I operate in my redemption. And so what we have to do is throw down that rebellious part of us that says, I want to be God of my own life and that we have to accept the Holy Spirit in our life so that he can lord over us. Um, and, and, and understanding and dwelling of the Holy Spirit is actually step number, I think it's five or six, and we're going to go in depth with, about that later. But a lot of times it's our own rebellion not the enemy that causes us to miss out or not to operate in faith. So number one, know the integrity of God's word. Number two, we got to know the reality of our redemption. Um, Revelations 12 and 11 says, they defeated him through the blood of the lamb and the bold word of their witness. They weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. So we have, we talked about how we got to confess the word. We got to, uh, we have to say what the word says and not how we feel. We have to say what the word says and not what we see. We have to say what the word says and not necessarily what we're hearing in the news. I will always uh, speak what the word says. And so that was step number two. We know that we're redeemed. We're redeemed from sickness. We're redeemed from failure. We were redeemed from all the consequences of sin. And what are the consequences of sin? Everything that was contrary to what God said he'll give you. Anything that's contrary to having an abundant life was a consequence of sin. Anything that was contrary to you being full to the overflow. So he said that he, he, he desires for us to prosper and being health even as our soul prospers. So anything that's contrary to your mind, your will, your imagination, your emotion, and your intellect prospering, those are all things that are contrary to the word, and those are all things that we that have already you've already been redeemed for. You don't have to pay penance for something that you've already been redeemed for. Praise God. God has paid the cost. I mean, Christ has paid the price. Uh, and so that was number one and number two. What I would like to do today is spend time talking about number three, which was we have to know the reality of the new creation. And so we started talking about this last week, but today I just want to uh, 
kind of spend a little time there and then we, we will finish up with number three and move on to the rest of it uh, next week into on the weeks to come. So number three, know the reality of new creation. and the new birth, you have in your spirit the very life and the very nature of God. So when you became born again, at that moment, the very life and the very nature of God came inside of you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God in, in spirit form dwells on the inside of you now. It says the re it wasn't just an experience that we had, and it's not religion, and it's not just rejoining a church, but what actually happened was our spirit became new. We had the same spirit that, of God, the same spirit that Jesus had, it's on the inside of us now. And so that's what gives us the power. That's what gives us the strength. That's what gives us the joy. That's what gives us the peace. That's what gives us the energy. I love Philippians uh, 2 and 13. It says that the Holy Spirit will give us the energy, the power, the wisdom, both to do God, to, to understand God, and to accomplish the will of God for our lives. So it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to do the things that God asks us to do. And that's what happened when we became a new creation. And I know when you went to the, uh, when you said the prayer, your hands didn't look different, your feet didn't look, look different or anything like that. But what occurred was that you became a new spirit. Your body was the same because you are a tripartite being. That means that you are, you, you, you have a spirit. You have a soul and you have a body. And when we said the prayer of salvation, nothing probably in our body changed. I looked, if you went in 58230, you came out 58230. If you went in bright skin, white, Mexican, Hispanic, male or female, you came out that way. Your body didn't change. The change took place in your spirit because you became you came out of the law of sin and death into the law. Uh, of life in Christ Jesus. The law where we have under grace is what you have, what happened. And then our soul is, it, it's saved now, it's being saved and it will be saved because this whole salvation thing, we're becoming more and more like God each day that we live. Um, and so that's the reality uh, of the new creation. John 17 and 23 says, uh, God loves me like he loves his son. So when we were born again, what happened was that we became God's favorite child. So the same way that God loves Jesus, he loves me. So anything that he would give Jesus, he would provide that for me. There is no difference in the way that God sees you and God sees Christ because the way that God sees Christ is how he sees you because Christ covers us in his blood. So a lot of times that we limit ourselves and our faith doesn't work and we're not able to have a God kind of faith is because we're using, we're seeing ourselves through our physical senses instead of seeing ourselves through the spiritual. We must see ourselves as the word has said we are and not as the world says we are. In the world, I am limited. In the world, I do have weaknesses. In the world, I... I come up short because I, I, I have 
I don't have it all together. But when I look at myself in the spirit, the Bible says that I'm chosen, I'm beloved, I'm adopted, that I have, I am the righteousness of God. It says that I have the ability to do everything that God has called me to do. He said there is no temptation that can overtake me that's even not coming to man, but he'll always provide a way of escape. Because when I begin to see myself in the new reality of Christ, when I know who I am in Christ and that I'm born again, then I have access to the Holy Spirit, which is or, or power to do what God has called me to do in this earth. So I have to see myself the way that God sees me in order to exhibit a faith that will never fail. But as long as I look at myself through my physical uh, eyes, I will always see myself not being worthy because in the physical, I, I am not worthy, but because I've been born again and I see myself through the spirit and I know that I'm covered in Christ, Christ makes me worthy. It was never my ideal anyway to be worthy. That was all God's idea is for me to be worthy. So when you when I began to talk about my inheritance in Christ, when I talk about how God wants me blessed, when I talk about how my family is going to be healthy and whole, healthy and whole, when I talk about that I have more than enough, that's not me bragging. That's not me magnifying myself, but that's me magnifying God because what he has done for me. So you don't got to apologize for, for saying that I'm blessed and highly favored. You don't have to apologize to anybody for saying that I have more money than I have month. You don't have to apologize to anybody because you're being promoted and that you're growing up. You don't have to apologize for that because you're not magnifying you. You're magnifying God. What you're saying is, God, I am a product in which you built and I am going to bring you glory. So God, I thank you that I have this, not because I'm great, but because you great and decided to give it to me. So every time I obey God, every time I manifest in my life, it's not me bragging to people, it's me magnifying my creator. I give glory to God every time I'm promoted. I give glory to God every time I increase in my family. I give glory to God every time I've overcome sickness. I give glory to God every time I pray for my kids and I see them obedient. So me, so a lot of times it's like, why are they always bragging? Because I love my daddy and he's good to me. And you don't got to apologize to anybody because what does that do? That helps your bold witness. When I'm able to say that God brought me out of debt, you know, it was one time I owed all this money and now I don't owe anybody nothing but to love them. I, I have all of these things that I'm able to give and I'm able to give when I want to give and, and I'm not dictated to by my bills and my and by other things. Why? Because, and when I say that and people are like, well, why are you doing all that? that you just bragging and you won't get no glory for that. I don't need the glory. I am magnifying my creator because he is the one who desired to give that to me. And so you don't got to, you don't got to feel bad about having abundance. You don't got to feel bad about being healthy. You don't got to feel bad because, because it's really easy to, a lot of us, and I'll be, I'll talk about myself. It was hard for me to make more and more money as I matured because 
a lot of people in my family didn't make a lot of money. And so I felt bad because I would have and they didn't have. And if you're not cautious, what happens is you set your thermostat at a level below what God has called you to have because you don't know how to handle the increase that he desires for you to have because you don't want to look too much different than the people in the world looks. But you're called, you're a peculiar people. You're called to look different. The Bible, I mean, and we'll get to that in a moment, but you're called to look different. You don't got to apologize for having more. Say this, say, it's okay to have more. I don't got to apologize for that. And it's okay to have more and not give it to other people if the Holy Spirit told me not to give it. Well, we got to, because a lot of us have, and I hear the Holy Spirit, you can't get more because you're not being a good steward over what you have. Every dime you get, you got to understand what's seed and what's bread. You got to understand what I'm eating and what I'm sowing. Because when the Lord says, hey, give this to them as a steward, it's not mine anyway. I don't get to control what's not mine. I am just a steward. So if the Lord says give to them, I give to them, even when it may seem like I don't have a lot. But if the Lord says don't give to them and I got a thousand dollars in the bank and all they asking for is ten dollars, I still got to heed the Holy Spirit because what the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to do is to be obedient to him so that he can increase our storehouses more and more because the Bible says that the Lord will not do without a cheerful giver. But you got to pass the test of obeying God when it comes to your money. And that's free and that's extra, but sometimes you're stuck in your growth and your finances because you always trying to give to everybody. Let me help you. You're not God and you don't have, your resources are not God. So every time you choose to give when God told you not to, then you're taking something that's bread and you're sowing it, then you're expecting God to restore it. Now, here's the awesome part about God being God. He will always come back and take care of you. He will, but we have to be obedient. We have to be obedient. We have to trust God. That goes back to number one, knowing the integrity of God's word. Because here, some of you feel, some of you have taken on the position of God for your families and your friends. And every time somebody needs something, they always calling you and you're always going and trying to take the, take care of them and rescue them and bring them out their situation. You're always trying to pull them through and you're wondering why you are not growing. It's because you got to be obedient to God. You got to take time to hear the Holy Spirit speak every time. And sometimes we move so fast that we don't take time to hear Holy Spirit say, not right now. Not this time. And then if they've came and asked you for money, I'm not sure why we're talking about this and why we don't go. But if they've came and talked to you about and they've borrowed money from you a hundred times and you said, I'll never, ever, ever give to them again. And the Holy Spirit says so, then you still got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. You got to sow when God says so. And you got to uh, hold your hand when God says, hold your hand. It is in being obedient. It is in hearing the word from God that you establish faith and it is faith that allows you to take what's in heaven and bring it to the earth. So we got to always obey God. And you got to know the difference in what's bread and what's seed. Because what happens is as you sow, you'll always be reaping. I work a job. Like, I don't know where money's going to come from. Is it going to come from my paycheck? Is it going to come from seed sown? It doesn't matter. I'm going to always be sowing so that I can always be reaping. 
And even though times may seem like they're tough now, people are getting laid off. Don't, don't, don't withhold your hand. You got to always be sowing. Because here's the thing, you're out there looking for resources. You're out there looking for harvest. Harvest is only a, a byproduct of seed sown. So right now ain't the time to be like, I can't sow. I can't give. I can't do whatever. Because if you're wanting to harvest, you got to always find yourself sowing. This is a good time to sow. It is a great time to be putting things into the ground. Investing in your own life. So that was, yeah, that, that, that was it. You, you got to be willing to obey God even when it looks crazy to you. You got to be willing to obey God even when you don't understand. Because that's why foundational point number one is to know the integrity of God's word. I trust God enough to sow when he says so. I trust God enough to go left when he says go left. I trust God enough to go after the job even when I don't understand how I even qualify. It is always a good thing to follow God. It is always a good thing to follow God. There is no failure in following God. There is no failure in following God. So, So sow, S-O-S-O-W, sow your seed. This is a great time to be sowing. Do not withhold your hand. And some of you guys, I mean, I'm just telling you, it's a great time to be sowing. People are becoming millionaires every day. People are growing, their accounts are overflowing every day. Debts are being delivered every day. I was just watching uh, the news. People are buying million, billion dollar boats and cars. There's no shortage in this earth. You are not without hope. There, there, there is more than enough for you. But you got to trust God enough that he has a perfect plan for you, that he has, he know the thoughts that he has for you. He know the plans that he has for you. They are good to give you an expected end. A hope in a future. God's design for you is to live an abundant life, but you got to trust the integrity of his word and exercise faith when he says so. And this wasn't a, uh, <laughs> wasn't a message about teaching, but I, 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 we can't allow the economy to cause us not to obey God. Because we're not of this world anyway. We're of the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there's never a shortage. So there's never a shortage for me. Because I'm not of this world. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And because I am a, 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 uh, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, then I'm never in lack anyway. My kingdom is never and an economic downturn. My kingdom is never concerned about oil prices. My kingdom is never concerned about a pandemic. My kingdom is never concerned about unemployment. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, we always have. And so even though what's going on in the world, it doesn't distract me from doing what God has called me to do. I obey no matter what. All right. So whoever that was for, make sure that you sow in your seed. So 
Step three, knowing the reality of new, new creation. And the new creation, you don't have to be afraid to believe. Our faith has been finished. The end was completed before the beginning was created. Before there was ever a thought to believe, there was manifestation to receive. Before you ever heard the word to go after the house, before you ever heard the word to go after the job, before you ever heard those words, God had already put in the earth the manifestation of the word that he had given you. Because in the beginning when he orchestrated everything, he put in the earth every single manifestation that you could ever think or imagine. That's why he says, I do exceedingly abundantly above everything that you can ask or imagine. There is more manifestation in the earth with your name on it than you could ever even imagine. God, you can't believe God for enough. You can't believe God for, for more than what he's already given you. It is no surprise to God there's nothing that we can ask God for that'll surprise him because he has given us the desire to have it anyway. It says the end was completed before the beginning because in Hebrews 12 and 2, it says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one that birthed the desire to believe and he is the one who has finished the manifestation to receive. He has already done it. Already done it. Ephesians 2 and 10 in the Passion Translation states, we have become, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we do to fulfill it. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we will do to fulfill it. God has given you a word. First, God has planned your destiny. He has planned the manifestations. He has put those tangible things in the earth, right? And so what then he says, he has given you a plan on how to fulfill it. So God says, let's play, his, let's play uh, uh, pretty much repeat. Let me put something in the earth. Let me give you the Holy Spirit that will tell you where I've hid my secrets. Because the Bible says that, uh, that man doesn't know the secrets of God. That's the man that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. But as a, as a born-again believer with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and then having the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come over me and consume me, I have the right to the mind of Christ. So the secrets that, that he has given me, he has taught me where all the treasures are hidden for me. And here's the thing. You don't got to be mad because your neighbor is, is prospering. You don't got to be upset with it because there's enough for everybody. There's more than enough for everybody. The Bible... Ephesians 2 and 10, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. God already know what you need to do to get what he has given you. So we got to trust the integrity of the word. We got to trust that we are a new creation in Christ in order to exhibit the God kind of faith to lay hold of what he has already given us. Because I don't want to be one who observes the manifestation from a distance. I want to be the one who partakes of the manifestation within my hands. It says we have to realize that God gave us everything before we ever asked for it. 
I didn't ask to be rich. I didn't ask to be healthy. I didn't ask to be complete. I didn't ask to have peace. I didn't ask to have joy. That was all God's idea. And so we can't compromise on that because these are promises of God that belong to us. We didn't make it ourselves. And so we don't have to be caught up with, do I deserve this? It doesn't matter if you deserved it. God saw your raggedness. God saw your brokenness. God saw you messed up and still thought you was worthy. So how are you going to unqualify yourself? I was already qualified. We didn't make ourselves who we are and what we are, God did. We must not suppress the God nature inside of us by thinking small and believing for just enough. We cannot suppress, suppress the God nature on the inside of us by thinking too small and believing for just enough. It is not kingdom thinking to believe for just enough. It is not kingdom thinking to believe for something smaller than what the word says. You do deserve it, uh, Miss H. You deserve everything. We all deserve everything. Not because it was our idea, because it was God's idea. It was God's idea to give you everything before you were ever qualified to receive everything. And then when Christ came, he qualified you to receive it, even if you didn't want it. And see, that's where rebellion comes in. That's where the unbelieving believer comes in. Because what happens is... Instead of taking on our full redemption of Christ, instead of understanding what the new creation of, of the new reality of Christ that we're, we're now living in, with, without understanding grace, we begin to disqualify ourselves from inheriting what's ours. Because simply put it this way, because God made you, you're worthy of everything he has to offer. It's just that simple. God made you, you accepted him as Lord, you are qualified. God made you, you accepted him as Lord, you are qualified. Because to say I'm not qualified to receive wealth, to say I'm not qualified to receive health, to say I'm not qualified to receive peace, to say I'm not qualified to receive uh, peace in my mind, to say I'm not qualified to receive whatever, is to say that I am not qualified to receive salvation. Because if you're not qualified to receive wealth, health, prosperity, and abundance, joy, and peace, you're also not qualified to receive salvation. So if you are good enough to receive salvation, you're good enough for all those things. But here's the thing. It wasn't about you being good enough. It was about God's idea to make you right. It was about God's idea to come and to redeem you. It was never about being good enough. There's nothing you can do to qualify to receive what God has for you. It was his idea to give it to you because he desired for you to have it. He desired, desired for you to have it. And once we get that, that really strengthens our faith because when we go in, the devil can't talk to us about sin. He can't talk to us about how we're not worthy. He can't talk to us about how we're falling short. Devil, I don't care what you got to say. It wasn't my idea to have the house. It wasn't my idea to have prosperity. It wasn't my idea to have the good marriage. That was all things my daddy wanted to give to me. And he doesn't care how great I am or how, how my actions look. He's redeemed me. And my big brother, God, Jesus Christ, covers me. And my daddy sees me as he sees Christ because I'm his favorite child. And he just want to be good to me. 
because it gives him good pleasure to bless me. And so you remind yourself when the enemy talks to you and you're like, you don't, you don't deserve that. And, and, and let me, and here's the example that the Lord gave me. He says, you can blow it. It's 902. You can blow it at 901. At 902. And ask me for something at 903. And I'll still be good to you. Why? Because when Jesus died on the cross for us, what he did for us covered every sin. The Bible says in Isaiah, he says, I am he that blotted out their transgressions uh, for my own sake, and I will not remember them. He says, I it's me. I am forgetting everything that you have ever done that came short of what I've asked you to do for my own sake. Why am I doing that for my own sake? Because I don't remember. It makes me always makes me always able to be good to you. So if you sinned at 902, the blood of Jesus from the cross uh, covered you. And at 903, you can go in. In the very same breath of sinning, you can ask God for something and he will still give it to you because Jesus Christ has covered your sins and he has said it is me myself choosing to not remember your sins so that I can be good to you. It's God's idea to be good to you. You don't qualify for his goodness. He has chosen to make you good in his own mind and you can undo that. You can undo God's redemption. He has chosen to see you that way. Praise the Lord. He has chosen to see us that way. We have to realize that God had gave us everything that we'll ever ask for. He has given us everything that we could ever ask for. Let, let's, let's move on. When we take on a mindset to think that we are not worthy of what God has to offer, then it ends up hindering God's ability to perform in our lives. Where our faith creates a shield to block the things of the enemy, our unbelief creates a shield that blocks the things of God from manifesting in our lives. It's like this. Um, you will attract to you whatever you believe. Your faith, believing, is a magnet. It attracts things. And so if I believe I will be sick, if I believe I have more month than money, if I believe that the money I have in the uh, savings, stop calling your savings a rainy day fund. It's not a rainy day fund. I declare that all my days are full of sunshine and blue clouds. I declare that I only use my money for blessing God and blessing people. I don't have a rainy day fund. I have a savings. I have an investment fund. I have a seed account that allows me to sow into people's life. I call it what it is because when you expect something to always occur, guess what happens? Something always occurs. Why? Because we got to understand our confession, our bold witness. I don't have a rainy day seed. I have a, I mean, a rainy day account. It is for me to use however I see fit to fulfill the will of the kingdom. We have to watch what we're saying at all times. And so what happens is, what our believing is a magnet, we're attracting to ourselves at all moments of our life, whatever we 
our most dominant dominant thoughts are. So if my most dominant thought is I can make $100,000 a year, I will max out at $100,000 a year. Why? Because that's my most dominant thought. And so unless I get into the word of God, that's why he says meditate on the word both day and night so that you observe to do what's within was written within it and so that I can accomplish what the kingdom has for me you know because as as I spend time in the word I reveal the character of God for my life and I reveal the will of God for my life and what happens is your thermostat your environment your thinking begins to change and so what happens is when my thinking begins to change, what I believe begins to change, my value begins to change. I understand the love of God for my life and God wants me to have more than that. And it's okay to have more than that. No rainy day funds. I declare that everybody's savings account, that it grows. Even right now, I declare that your savings accounts are growing. I declare your checking accounts are growing. I declare that you're increasing in every area of your life. It doesn't matter what's going on in the earth. All that matters is what the word has said. We got to realize that when we... Not believing we're worthy, it grieves the spirit. It belittles God. It says to God, your creation isn't all that. When I begin to belittle myself, when I begin to say that I'm not worthy, when I begin to do those things, then what I'll tell God is that your creation isn't all that. That God, which you created something broken. You created something that was... Um, that needed to be returned to sender. That's what I'm telling God. And, and so really, and when we think about this, it's like, so I'm telling a perfect God that he created an imperfect thing. That doesn't even make sense. But when we refuse to, to receive the goodness that our father wants to give us, then that's really what we're saying. We're saying that God, you created something that's not worthy of receiving what you want to give it. Matthew... And what happens is God's not able to perform because we're not able to believe. And so it was like with Jesus performing all the miracles and he went to his hometown to do some things. He couldn't do many miracles because of their unbelief. It is our unbelief that causes a pause in manifestation of what God has already given us. So I got to choose to, number one, have integrity and knowing that God's word is what it is. I got to know the reality of my redemption in Christ and what we're talking about tonight, that I got to know that I'm a new creature. It doesn't, you don't got to pay. I don't care. And, and, and people, I'm going to use a real bold. I don't care if you murder people, if you had an abortion, if you, if, if, if you, uh, if you smoke weed, if you did, I mean, the most hideous of sins that you could ever see. When Jesus forgave you of that, you don't owe penance. You, you can't say, well, this has happened to me because of the life I used to live. That's a lie. That, that, that's, those are just things that people have said to try to rationalize what, what's happening. But that is not kingdom. You don't pay for anything sin-wise because Christ has already paid for that. You don't owe uh, your. You don't owe bad health. You don't owe 
being sick. You don't owe getting cancer. You don't owe any of that. Christ paid for that already. You don't have to pay penance for things because what happens is when you believe that you're paying penance for those things, you're saying to yourself that God is causing this to happen because of those bad things that happened in my life before. And because I did all those bad things when I slept with that person, when I did that, when I did the drugs, when I, when I stole, when I shot, when I did whatever, then now I'm paying for that. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You owe nothing from sin because your big brother Jesus paid for it all. So at this point, I have a right to everything that my daddy has to offer because Jesus paid for it. So, so, so God ain't killing big mama. God ain't causing me to be sick. God didn't cause my hot water heater to go out. That wasn't God. But when you think that is our good God who is causing your hot water heater to explode, blow up, who is causing your husband to act that way, who is causing you to be sick, then now you have this, this skewed view of God. You have this wicked thinking of God, and you don't know that tomorrow when I wake up Thursday, is God going to strike me down or if God's going to bless me? The Bible says that those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You got to know the character of God's word. You got to know the integrity of it. Who is God? God. God is a redeemer. Who is God? God is a healer. Who is God? God is a restorer. Who is God? God is one who causes you to prosper. He says that I have come that you may have life and have that life more abundantly. God is not causing bad things to happen to you. But as long as you believe that, you don't know which God to show up. But that's a trick of the enemy. You don't owe penance to anything. When you repent it and you just change directions and you accept the fact that Jesus saved you and that you're not going to sin anymore. And even when you sin, it's already forgiven. Now, does that mean you just go out and sin? The Bible says, Lord forbid. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit causes the love of God to be shared abroad in your heart. It said it's the love of God that draws man to repentance. I can't be loved by God that much and still want to go out and sleep with everybody I see. I can't love that God, God so much and still want to go out and steal everything that I see. Why? Because it's the love of God that's going to cause me to live an upright life. It's the love of God that causes me to be holy, to be sanctified or set apart. It is the love of God that causes that to happen in my life. So I don't get concerned with what I did in the past because that's already covered. I'm not concerned about the sin I do tomorrow. Why? Because that's already covered. I owe nothing when it comes down to sin. Jesus paid it all. All right, let's keep moving. Oh, let's see. Anytime you choose to settle for something less than what God has said, all faith stops and fear starts. Why? Because faith starts where the will of God is known. So when I step outside the will of God for my life, I enter into fear. And what did I just say? Believing is a magnet. It's always going to attract. So if I feel like I'm going to be short, then I will be short. If I why? Because I'm always attracting what what's in my mind in the most dominant fashion. Whatever I'm magnifying, that's what I'm going to attract. It says fear, not faith, 
is what is produced when you believe based on anything other than the word of God. When God says go for X and you feel you only deserve A, you allow sin, rebellion, penance, and shame to quench your faith. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that. Listen, it doesn't matter what people think about you. You still deserve it. You, don't, you deserve it because your daddy said, I don't care what sin you have ever committed in your life. Don't let shame cause you to feel like you're not worthy. Yeah, you've done some bad things, but God doesn't even remember. Like y'all should go to Isaiah 43, 25 and just read it. He says, I even I am he that blotted out your transgression for my own sake. Don't let shame cause you to think that you're not worthy. It doesn't matter if your mama, if your daddy, if your grandma, and every other person that you hold in high esteem think you don't worthy, God, that you're not worthy. Long as God thinks you're worthy, then you're okay. You got to choose to believe what God says over what the people around you may think about you. You got to choose to believe what God says even more than what you may think about you. You got to speak word and you got to not stop seeing, speaking what you see in the physical. Yes, what you did was bad. No, it doesn't disqualify you from God's goodness. Yes, what you did in the natural may have consequences. You may get arrested. You may do whatever. But no, it doesn't uh, disqualify you from God's goodness. There are earthly consequences, but none of those earthly consequences has anything to do with the fact that God still wants to be good to you. So shame shouldn't disqualify you from receiving what God has for you. Regardless of what what people like, you used to be a hoe. You used to sleep with everybody. And that's how we are in the natural. You used to sleep. How you get that good man? How you get a good man like that? Because what we got to understand is this. Our past does not disqualify us from receiving what God uh, has for us. Our present doesn't disqualify us from receiving from what God has for us. Why? Because I am a new creature. Just because. All right, uh, Fellowship of Champions, y'all went down. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, so if y'all in the FOC group, uh, I think it's uh, down. So let me see, can I get that going again? Just one moment. All right, thanks for your patience. All right. Yeah, I think some of y'all on my personal page, the FOC group went down. So I got it back up. So that doesn't disqualify you. We are redeemed from the power and the punishment of sin. Stop permitting the enemy to rob you, defeat you, destroy you, manipulate you, and belittle you. Use your faith as a weapon to overcome the enemy. God isn't remembering your sin. Why should you? If God isn't talking about you, how many times? God ain't talking about your sin. God, if God's not remembering it, why should I be remembering it? If God's not thinking about it, why should I be thinking about it? God is only trying to be good to you, so all I need to be thinking about is how to be good to me. Why? Because that's what God wants for my life. Say this, say, I will not be ashamed. That's why he said, I won't be ashamed of the gospel. I won't be ashamed of the too good to be true news. I am worthy. I don't care what I did. I am worthy. 
I deserve everything that God has for me. And that's what some of us should be telling. I deserve everything God has for me. Let me let me see, because try to respect your time. I'm trying to see where I'm gonna skip this. Alright, so let's go to Second Corinthians. Well, Second Corinthians 6, verse 14, it talks about not being un talks about uh be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So anyway, what God has called us to do is be separate but not segregate. So so I'm not ashamed. I know that I deserve it, but I know I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. It says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness. Now I'm not going to go through all of that, but God isn't asking us not to fellowship with unbelievers. This would be contrary. As new creatures, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. God is talking about separating from the world and not segregating. You are so busy trying to win everybody's approval that you can't accomplish kingdom because your God isn't God. Your God is the people because whoever speaks to you and you obey, that's your God. And so what we have to realize is that God says, look, you won't look like everybody else. You won't do everything that everybody else does. You're going to be separate from the world, but you can't be segregated from the world because I've called you to be the salt of the world. How are you going to be salt? How are you going to be light if you're segregated? So we got to understand that the lives that we live as believing, as believing believers will be, it'll look different. It will be unique. It will be, it will be, uh, contrary to what the world does but that doesn't mean we 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 segregate the world you know what i'm saying and i know we're kind of shifted we, we're over shame we deserve it and so as we deserve it we got to also understand that we does we are called to be a light in the earth and i'll tell you where we're going with that john 17 we're not of this world we live in it but the word gives us the ability to live at a standard above others it gives us the ability to not be destroyed by what the world had to offer. If it couldn't destroy Jesus, then it can't destroy me. That's John 17, verses 12 through 16 in Amplify. While I was with them, I kept and preserved them in your name. Those you, those you have given me, I guarded and protected. And not one of them has perished or is lost except the son of perdition. And now I'm coming to you. I say these things while I'm still in the world so that my joy may be full and complete and perfect in them. Praise the Lord. That they may experience my delight fulfilled. Say, I experienced Christ's delight fulfilled in me. My enjoyment, Jesus saying, my enjoyment may be perfected in their souls. So Christ is saying, my enjoyment, I find great joy being perfected in their mind, in their will, in their emotions, in their imagination, in their intellect. He says, I have great gladness in them, filling their hearts. Verse 14, I have given and delivered them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. You can't be out here trying to win the approval of people when these people are not the people that you eat. You're not in the same citizenship with them. You live in this world, but your kingdom is heaven. You live in this world, but your, your, your provider is God. And so when we understand that, then we don't get distracted 
about what we see in this earth. Rona, the economy, all of those things don't bother me because I am in this world, but my kingdom, heaven, is what provides me what I need to live on this earth. He says, I've given and delivered to them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you will take them out of the world, but that you will keep and protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, worldly belonging to the world, just as I am not of the world. It says, sanctify them, make them holy by the truth. The word is the truth. So the word is what causes me to be sanctified. It ain't wearing jeans. It ain't putting on, not putting on makeup, putting on makeup. It ain't going to church. It ain't going to Bible study. It ain't giving the tithe. What makes me sanctified, what sets me apart, what, what, what causes me to be consecrated and pure, the word. The word is the truth. And so when I spend time in the word, it causes me to look just like God. It's what sets me apart. And when I become set apart, then my faith is able to be perfected and I can have the God kind of faith knowing that number one, that God's word won't fail me. Knowing that number two, that I have been redeemed. Knowing that number three, that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Knowing that the word is the truth and is the truth that causes me to be pure. It's not people's opinion. It's not your pastor saying you're good enough. It's not your mama saying you're good enough. It doesn't matter what people say you're good enough or you're not good enough. That doesn't even matter. Why? Because it's the word of God that causes me to be set apart. It's the word of God that causes me to be qualified. It's the word of God that makes it well. And a lot of us, we, we want, we, and, and we're in this world, and we go, we got to realize is that sometimes we're, we're in situations and God is wanting us to be that salt in the world. He wanted us to be that light in the world. Because what, if it could, and I love that, if you couldn't destroy Jesus, it can't destroy, you should just type that. If it couldn't destroy Jesus, it can't destroy me. Now, you got to receive that by the spirit because in the physical, even saying that kind of makes you cringe a little bit. If it, it, I mean, if it didn't destroy Jesus, it can't destroy me. Well, how is that even so? How is that even possible? Because greater is he that is on the inside of me than he that is in the world. The Bible, when Jesus says, I need to go away so I can send you the comforter so that you can do even greater works. We have the full power of God living on the inside of us and it is the Holy Spirit. And it gives us the ability to not be destroyed and to always experience victory. And we're going to end in Ezekiel. Don't ask God to take you out of bad-looking situations. Those situations need a Savior. And this is where we're going to finish. Because as you grow in faith, your faith isn't just for you. I think it was mom in the 30 days of healing. Uh, I can't remember if it was which one it was, but she was talking about how the friends brought the, uh, the four guys brought their friends, cut the hole in the roof, uh, so that their son, that their friend could see Jesus. Their faith 
It was their faith to say, "Hey, let me get him to Jesus, so that I know he'll be. I can, I know he'll be healed." Because sometimes we're in a situation and we're praying and asking God to get out of a situation, and what God is saying is, "I need you to bring light to this darkness. I need you to be like Ezekiel. Ezekiel was in the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37, and if God asked Ezekiel a question. He says, "Ezekiel." Can these bones live? And Ezekiel was like, hey, nobody know but you, God. And then he told him what to do. He says, breathe into these bones. And those bones, and it said, that, and it goes through and it says, sinews and muscle begin to come on the bones. And they begin to get up and flesh wrapped them. And the breath of life came into them. And those dry bones lived again. Why? Because a man decided to believe God. There are situations in your life right now that you want out of. And God is saying, all I need you to do is ask me if it's possible. And God's going to say, it's possible. Why? Because I'm God. Even the impossible becomes possible because he's God. So he can create something from nothing. He's not looking at your bank account. He's not looking at your current state of health. He's not looking at your current state of mental health. He's not looking at your situations. All he knows is his word and his word is truth and it causes things to take place. We have to always side with what the word says and not with what the earth says. I side with God. I side with God. And that's how I know I'm a new creature because old things are passed away and behold, all things are new. You are new in Christ and he loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you so much. And, and I'm telling you, we we got to grow. We got to stretch our faith muscles. We got to grow that thing and perfect that thing because there are situations that the kingdom need resolved and God can't get it done because God is not ruling the earth. He has left the earth for the sons and the daughters of his kingdom to rule. And so as my faith grows, I'm able to go into a situation, speak life to that situation and cause it to look like kingdom. My marriage looks like kingdom. My children look like kingdom. My health looks like kingdom. The people I work with experience goodness because I believe God for their lives. Everything, our faith isn't just about us, but it's about causing kingdom to expand throughout the earth until everybody on this earth kneels and calls Jesus Lord. So my faith has the ability to walk into dead situations and bring life. Say, so I'm a life giver. Dead things rise when I'm around. Praise God. Dead things come alive when I come around. Why? Once again, it ain't me bragging on me. It's, it's who the, who, I mean, that was the commandment. God says, go out, heal the sick. And that's why I love the 30 days that Pastor Sean is doing it. 
Another another caveat, if you haven't joined the 30 Days of Healing, go run over to her page and join it. But I'm a life giver. When I walk into the place, things change. Why? Because the presence of God dwells on my life. I have both the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and I have been baptized. I am covered in, in, in what the Holy Spirit says. And I allow the Holy Spirit to be Lord over my life. And he teaches me what to say. And the only thing that I say is what God will say. That's what Jesus said. I can only say what the Father says. Why? Because it is he who is speaking through me in the form of the Spirit. And when I speak God, I speak life and it calls dead things to wake up. So speak to your bank accounts. Don't be twisted. Speak to your bank accounts. Pray for your spouse instead of talking about them. The Bible says don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and praise him for all that he has done. So, Father, we praise you tonight. We praise you that we are free from sickness. We praise you, God, that we are free from, from lack. We are free, God, from coming up short in area, any every area of our life, God. We praise you tonight that it is already finished, that we see ourselves the way that you see us, God, that there is nothing missing, nothing broken in our lives. I thank you that we have a full revelation of your love for our lives, that the breadth, the width, the height of your love has been shared abroad in our hearts. I thank you that we see ourselves as adopted. We see ourselves as chosen. We see ourselves as set apart, that we see ourselves as sanctified, that we see ourselves that we are full of who you are in this earth, God. I I thank you that we that shame is ashes now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that every negative word spoken over our life, God, that is ashes now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that every person in our life that does not supposed to be in our lives, God, I thank you for closed doors, God. I thank you that we're moving on to new relationships, God. Relationships that will cause us to be strengthened in our knowledge and understanding of who you are in our lives. We refuse to live mediocre, average lives, Father. We thank you that right now in the name is Jesus, that we will experience abundance in every area of our life because that which, that's why you have come so that we may have life and that life more abundant, abundantly. We refuse to be average. We refuse to quit. We refuse to see ourselves in our earthly eyes. But Father, we think that we see ourselves the exact same way that you see us, which is covered in Christ and worthy of every good and perfect blessing that you have for us. Father, we receive it all now in the name of Jesus, and we declare it to be so. In Jesus' name, amen. We will not worry about anything, but instead we will pray about everything. We will simply tell God what we need, and we will praise him for all he's done. So throughout these days, as you come, just begin to praise God for what he's done. Pray, thank God for that it's a finished work. And, and, and know that you are worthy and that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that is step three of establishing the God kind of faith. Thanks so much for hanging on with us. We went a few minutes, well, one minute over. Uh, thanks so much. If you're on the Fellowship of Champions page, uh, uh, we have pinned uh, ways to give if the message bless your life. Feel free. Go and sow into the word. Like at the beginning of the message, if you're going to join us like I'm telling you, this is this is ripe time to be sowing. Do not withhold your hand right now. Uh, millionaires will be made at this time. 
And if somebody's going to become a millionaire, it might as well be me. If somebody's going to become debt-free, it might as well be me. You should be sowing. And so, so uh, focchurch.com, you can go there, you can sow a seed there, but uh, make sure that you're sowing. If you see people who need something, sow a seed. Even if you only got a little, ask God what you can sow. And whatever God tells you that you can sow as seed, you got to know that you will always come out on top. Kind of like the woman when she sowed her, the, the, the bread and, and the water. It says every time she returned, it may not, your bank account may not look like it's millions of dollars, but baby, this is what you can know that every time you go in need, it'll always be there. You will never run out till your abundance shows up. That's what the word says. As a sower, I may not, it may not always look like abundance, but I won't ever run out till my abundance shows up. Why? Because that's my inheritance as a sower. I don't ever have to worry about being without. So sow your seed, speak the word over your life, and remain grateful. Remain, remain grateful. Thank God every single day for the goodness that you have. And stay hungry for the word. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Join us at Fellowship of Champions, uh, 10 o'clock a.m. on Sunday for the word. Go and like the page, Fellowship of Champions Church. We appreciate, we love you. If you need prayer, you can go to our page and uh, and we'll have people that will pray with you. You can inbox me. I'm happy to pray with you. But uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for hanging out. And in this time, make sure that you stay in the Word and be blessed. Have a great night.